0: The pandemic turned remote work from a luxury to a norm. With social distancing and lockdown measures, millions of workers worldwide found themselves forced to work from home. It used to be just a fancy benefit reserved for some, but now
1: employers realize remote work is feasible and even beneficial for many jobs and industries. Mm, companies had to adapt to the new normal almost overnight, leading to the expansion of new technologies like video conferencing. Zoom. <laughs> and cloud-based collaboration Collaboration? Collaboration tools. What tools? Collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> but working from home also comes with its own set of challenges like juggling work and home life and feeling isolated. That's mm. a big one. We'll talk about that. Uh, the pandemic has transformed remote work into a mainstream approach. But we'll have to wait and see if it's here stay or if traditional office-based work will return once things settle down. In fact, it sounds like we we're reading this a year ago. Many of you will have seen the headlines. Like big companies increasingly are saying, no, people are going to come back to work. I remember there was one with Amazon mm. recently where it's like the head of HR said categorically, no, people are coming back. But it's interesting because you've also seen companies like Airbnb being like, we are embracing
0: remote and now it's sort of fully here to stay we'll anyway. talk about this but marketplace dynamics
1: yeah hi welcome to the reality of everyday things i'm Ann. i'm jake we are your co-hosts longtime friends business partners we met nearly a decade ago wow. yeah, yeah in yeah. fact wait what, what year is it <laughs> what over year is it marty <laughs> <laughs> over a decade what's his name marty we're, we're, marty. we're into That's our true. into our 11th year wow look at that We've been running this for a few years. Please, if you're a long-time listener, do leave a review on Spotify, Apple. Also leave your feedback. Maybe we'll check in the review form, but, you know, we've got a lot of good feedback from people recently. Let's go straight into it. We yeah. Always- oh, and
0: also welcome. Uh, by now, we're probably well into our new season format. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be like the third. Hello fourth.
1: from the past.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is, it, yeah, into the new season. Tell us if you like it. We're going to try and be as regular as possible sticking to the Monday release schedule. Like
1: someone who eats a lot of fiber. Yeah. <laughs> um, Actually, regular in all the good ways. Exactly. Uh, another thing we might do is we might set up a, a chat for listeners like maybe a discord or a slack or something but yeah keep your eyes peeled onto the show so let's start as always with definitions there's not a lot that's really important
0: to define but i suppose one distinction worth making is let's look at working from home and working remote and to be fair sometimes they're synonymous if you are remote from where the company is headquartered but mm. working from
1: your home i guess that's the same thing mm, yeah so i think one thing to clarify is that there's a little bit of overlap here what we're going to be talking about i think is more work from home than remote basically remote is that you cannot commute into the office yeah technically all remote work is work from home i suppose actually actually to be fair it's not necessarily right so work from home is working from your home you could remote work and still go to a co-working space just not with your co-workers yeah but the main distinction is remote work is you are working from a place you can't commute to your work and often people tend to use it to mean like quite distant like another country another time zone right yeah so like technically we have a guy in our company who works in the north of England but we don't really think of him as remote in the same sense as the people who work from say for example Greece because you know yeah, it's funny he obviously doesn't come every day but he can much more easily jump onto a train with a day's notice
0: that's it he'll come down maybe every one or two months and visit us and you know we'll, we'll work together yeah. and go for and, together, and... and
1: it would be totally reasonable to ask him to come every two weeks we just happen to choose not to it's not necessary yeah right. Yeah. whereas a truly remote person you know is more remote whereas uh, the
0: guys that we have who work in Chile are yeah
1: truly <laughs> true tr- tr- remote yeah. um now the, the work from home i think a big part of that is and you'll hear why we're making this distinction when we come to the later bits is working from your home your actual um, it's it's actually working from the place where you live is there anything else more to clarify on that
0: no i think that's the key thing and i mean the pandemic initially just sort of it was what you'd call in economics and exogenous shock uh mm. it just sort of happened and then suddenly people had to deal with it and i think a lot of people weren't necessarily well equipped to deal with working from home and now mm. now they probably are more so if they're choosing to do it regularly but you Generally, unless you've built a nice home office, you maybe maybe mm. lack some of the, the comforts provided by mm. an office. Not necessarily. That's the point. People yep. have kind of adapted to that. So
1: maybe you're listening to this now and you're thinking, hey, Morality Podcast, why are you talking to me about work from home? Maybe you're working from home listening to this podcast. <laughs> Stop it. Get back on Slack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you might be wondering why we're taking a moral perspective on this. First of all, this isn't necessarily fully moral. Like We will also just kind of talk a little bit personal perspective, policy, and bear in mind our biases that we're employers. But we're also employers who are people, so we enjoy a lot of the benefits as well. Mm. Like we're not like you know the corporate executives are like people need to be in, but also like. The, you know, do whatever we want so just to clarify that it's
0: definitely worth highlighting yeah. that bias up front
1: because yeah. um, this is probably context you know if you've followed the podcast
0: for a while but in case you don't Ant and I are the co-founders of a company called Stasher which is a luggage storage platform we now have a team of 14 people including the two of us and as you have picked up already they're distributed widely across the world so although half the team is based with easy access to London the other half are scattered everywhere from Chile to Greece to Egypt to Newcastle
1: to be fair you use the word scattered you know, we need someone in Australia just to make, like- <laughs> to make a little trying the set <laughs> um but yeah so the the more perspective actually that we'll talk a bit about is i think it's it's funny it, this is more the reason we're talking about this is because something we've discussed personally the place of work and meaning in your life or the relationship between work and meaning in your life and that will kind of inform a little bit around this. It's a worthwhile
0: reference to actually if you haven't sort of listened to the series all the way through we did an episode fairly recently on work and meaning and I think yeah. this follows quite neatly on from that and if you haven't listened to it it's worth going back to check that because Ant's right it's not necessarily that there's a real moral question at stake here but it's almost more the theme of living your best life morality in the sense of you know your values what and, should you do what should you
1: do yeah. without it necessarily being a sort of case of murder yeah. or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) You know what I mean? So to follow that, what is our personal perspective? So I think it's interesting. I've kind of matured, matured, changed my view or not. not I don't think you've matured. I haven't matured. (laughs) I haven't even changed because changed implies like going from one to the other. I've developed my opinion in this over time. And so I'll tell you a little bit about our work policy and then we'll go from there. One, half the team is remote, right? Generally, when we are hiring for a new role, the first question we have is, is this role going to be remote or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's for a few reasons. The, The main thing is that One, a lot of roles are better suited to working remote. Like Mm -hmm. whether that's working from your home or going to a co-working space, we'll come to some of that later, is a separate point, but some of them are are better suited to remote or not. So that could be for reasons of, of purchasing power parity. So maybe you could get an equivalently good person for a very meaningful discount in another geography. A lot of people do that by hiring in... Lisbon or South America or places like that.
0: It's worth saying here that we're we're headquartered in London, so we yep. founded the company in London. We're based here. That's where the office is, and London is famously one of the more expensive places that you can exactly can have an office, and even more so than London, companies yep. based in Silicon Valley in America yep. and other parts yep. of the world like that. We've certainly seen this benefit.
1: It's a funny thing because it's it can be a benefit to the company, which ultimately is a benefit for everyone who works there, because it makes the the company more able to survive, and also means that we can redistribute wealth around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm I'm not saying like, oh we're saving. You know, <laughs> You tend to hire high school people. I think the interesting thing about this remote working stuff is it tends to work only at the extremes. What do you mean by that? So it best suits either the most skilled work or the least skilled work. The reason that's the case is because communication is hard. So it only makes sense for the most skilled or least skilled because... The least skilled work is the easiest to communicate remotely. And also the minimum pay... You start to also approach like minimum payment issues, right? Like the minimum you're going to pay anyone reasonably in the UK or US is much, much much higher than a very livable wage, somewhere like the Philippines and stuff. And to clarify... Because of we, purchasing power Exactly, right? exactly. And to clarify, we don't go to these places and then jit people. We pay them very good salaries by local standards. Uh, mm. So it's a real win-win. Like they get good salaries by local standards. In fact, one of our sort of employees, they're a long-term employee through someone who manages our customer support. Actually... I remember there was a a little celebration in the team Slack because they bought a house. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone in London was like, what the hell? (laughs) We can't can't buy houses. (laughs) Um, And they posted like a thank you very much because this helps support me do this. And we're like, of course, you you do good work. You deserve it. So on the low skill stuff, it's easier to communicate, right? Mm. And then on the high skill stuff, I'm particularly thinking about developers and certain senior roles. Mm. One, you tend to be more used to diffuse communication anyway. So developers, you'll probably all meet in stand-ups and stuff anyway. And, you know, more senior executives, they'll probably do their catch-ups and stuff you know, they might be remote anyway, more used to it and tend to be better communicators at that point. But the other thing is that the relative cost saving Mm. becomes a much, much bigger benefit. And then you have these people in the middle where actually the value of being able to communicate well, and those people in the middle tend to be the people who, you know, you want to train more. That's where it's the sweet spot where it's like, oh, we really want to be together in person because there is a real value to being able, I know that you'll have a strong opinion on this, but Mm. being able to communicate and be in the same place is, I mean, if you've ever tried to explain something to someone over a video call, you will immediately understand like the ability to say just come here and look at my screen (laughs) like and uh, like we'll point with hands and we'll we'll go to a whiteboard so we can draw things together and stuff and i know there's there's tools for this but it's like it's a bit like writing with pen and pencil on paper right like Mm -hmm. obviously alternatives exist but none of them are quite as easy just yet like Maybe when when Zuckerberg does the metaverse, but that's one part of my perspective. Just to, That's our can, rough policy. Oh, I, know, I never said what our actual policy is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I can I can fill that in really quickly, but yeah. I was just going to counterpoint one of your things.
0: I don't know that it necessarily... I totally agree with the sort of skill thing, although I don't think it necessarily is skill that sort of you're right, um, dictates you're right. that. Because it, it is, for example... It's more just opportunity, right? It's it's just kind of... Yeah, kinda...
1: yeah. It, it depends. So, for example, a mid-level developer mm. could make more sense to be remote than a senior-level salesperson, right? Yeah. Because it depends a bit on the nature of the communication need with that person and stuff and also how much of their work is going to be isolated which you know particularly for developers that tends to be the case
0: this is it i was going to say it's not necessarily the skill level it's more the role itself in that development i've noticed lends itself well to remote work because of the nature of the work is like you have a lot of deep focus time and And it's relatively siloed yeah and even before covid i remember the people we had the biggest trouble persuading to come into the office were developers (laughs) developers. and actually
1: i just use the word siloed silo is not even true like developers are very collaborative yeah. It's just that they are so used to doing that remotely anyway. Yeah, you bring them uh, to the office and they the spend
0: a lot of time, headphones in, just kind of yeah, yeah. trying to trying to not be distracted anyway. Exactly. So there's a certain amount of that that lends itself equally, like you said. I mean, there are customer support roles where actually being in the office again, isn't necessarily beneficial there's a lot of aspects of every role i mean i the one aspect of my role i find that benefits from work from home is just where you have periods of work but then the flip side is a lot of my role is management and that's actually made much harder talking yeah dealing with
1: people talking to people is much harder and and I,
0: i feel like this is a real theme across people's perspectives is just like anyone in a management role i think generally finds it harder
1: being remote whereas there are well actually ironically statistically a lot of the people who like work from home and stuff we have the bias that we're young so we think about young people but yeah. empir- empirically a lot of the people who like it are older, older people yeah and a lot of the issue is that younger people need the older people to come in and teach them right? yeah yeah that's right. a really. Important... at least that's that's i don't know statistically whether that is that frequent but that's the thing i read in <laughs> oh, yeah. as an ai that's roughly taking in uh, data. <laughs> that's a you know i suppose an, an hi human intelligence you know you see that it's like oh this seems to be a problem that comes up people mention so one thing on our policy we intentionally hire is this remote or not and then the people that we have who do work with us have a mix of work from home and also have the option to do remote stints the majority of the people who work here it's a small sample size but the majority of the people uh, do choose to work from home the two days a week that we offer a standard and you know people also haven't you know asked like can i do more or less depending on like if they have a long mute at least us and then a few other people a couple other people there's only six or seven of us in the london office will come in pretty much every day uh, we just prefer to and mm-hmm. quite a few people who are remote as in like will be based in europe or something like that choose to come and be at the office like a week or two every month or two Mm.
0: i was just going to add to that it's interesting because the work from home thing does then have a distinction from the work remote because working from home when you have access to the office it's a different kind of benefit isn't it like remote work you basically as employers we benefit from the cost savings but obviously as an employee you benefit from access to like a london company working remotely with all the comforts of like not having to move and everything else so it it opens up a lot of opportunities there's
1: other stuff though this is both for remote and work from home Mm. it's the opportunity to have a job without direct monitoring
0: yeah 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 and i wonder actually what the benefits of working from home largely seem to be well, we'll get into all the pros and cons but it does largely seem to be just like saving time on commuting and the kind of home comforts of, yep, yeah, of yeah. working from home so um, we'll, we'll get into that in more detail yeah.
1: one thing quickly on perspectives so we said how we would relate this to meaning it's funny i do remote working stints you know you'll remember i was uh, away for episodes within the last few months when the sound recording
0: quality yeah was bad <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more you know
1: ironically i think the best way i realized for future is just to record on my phone really Would i send you whatsapp messages or something or like when i record stuff on my phone to append to the front of episodes it's actually fine quality yeah it's not so i just should record it like that in future maybe it's relative
0: because maybe it was me sounding delightful (laughs) you can't be (laughs) on this microphone um
1: (laughs) but um but sorry so the place of meaning i think the interesting thing is you'll have heard or some people may have heard there is an epidemic of loneliness Mm. right and i think it's so interesting i use the analogy in an episode recently i believe the rolled out episode of fast food and my feeling is that there's a place for work from home, but I feel like uh, too much of it. In the same way, there's a place for fast food, mm-hmm. but I feel like too much of it might hurt in a way that we don't yet understand. And mm. a big part of that is just feeling disconnected. So that's like literally, like if you, you're not going out and just interacting with people, it was a thing at a more extreme scale we all understood and experienced during COVID. But then the other thing I'd say is that, and this is a part of that maybe evolves as I kind of meet people who are at different stages in their life. And granted, I'm also biased because I run the company that we work for, so. I have strong feelings about it. You know I, I guess part of the question is, should work be a source of your meaning in life? And I want to say, I hope that as many people as possible can say yes to that. It's a great way to be happy. But I kind of understand as well how the older I get, you know, my brother's thinking having kids. he's not particularly motivated by his work. And mm. you know I can kind of see where people find meaning from other places. but then you also kind of get the cynical employer perspective where it's like, well, if people are doing this because they want to clock off and don't really care, that's mm. then you start to it starts to kind of have this strange, imbalance or, or strange balancing actually trying to piece together there do you understand what I mean by that I do
0: I also largely agree with it I think but maybe it's a case of sort of ideals versus practice but mm. I'm with mm. you obviously on the fact that I think in an ideal life work forms a really important part of your meaning yep. I totally not the only get, part yeah not the important part. part I totally get that that's not the case for a lot of people and I think therefore maybe we have to acknowledge yep. our bias that it is for us because we yep. we run a company that we created and therefore yes yep. you know there's creative meaning in that and there's purpose and yep. eventually maybe financial meaning
1: (laughs) I would (laughs) would also say you know just one thing to bear in mind is that you know you're saying that about our specific situation I want to clarify that that circle that we're drawing is not around founders or whatever there are plenty of people probably the, the likelihood is if you're listening to this podcast you're probably within the people who has the ability to find a job that you find, you know, fulfilling, and, uh, fulfilling, right? Yeah. I think when you're saying that, I'm assuming your intention is more to draw the line where like, there's a lot of people who have little choice, but to do work that is you know, That's it, really hard to find. I mean, there are fulfilling.
0: jobs that are just jobs and there yeah. are jobs that people and there's nothing do wrong for the that. sake of, you know. I need money. Exactly, exactly. Whereas. And um, actually
1: there's also people who find those jobs fulfilling yeah
0: that's true too therefore i kind of just wanted to acknowledge that it's maybe a little bit like i don't want to come off overly idealistic by saying it's important that work should be a source of meaning however i would hope in the jobs that we've created that not just us but our team find their jobs fun challenging and meaningful i hope they enjoy being part of creating something you guys have been listening (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean even
1: you know even then like it's not like anyone's at risk of losing their job or something with us because you know different people have different approaches and that's that's okay we try to create a place that fosters yeah, that yeah. but you know it's more that it's a spectrum right as opposed to whether it's binary or not mm-hmm. and i'd hope i'd hope for people's own sake i think a big part of your meaning in life should be related to the thing that you're spending most of your working hours doing right yeah
0: and then I think without getting too anthropological about it, if you look at the history of work, a large part of it was it's about people physically coming together to produce things, to create things, to work on things. Mm. And I think people, it's a great
1: way to create a sense of community and meaning.
0: Yeah. A community is a really important word there, because I think that's something that people have a real genuine need for. And we'll, we'll talk about the sort of mm. isolation effect of work from home in a second. But that's... Um, that's something that I think is a powerful force. And even if you're part of a community with people that, you know, we're in the privileged position of being able to choose exactly who we work with. Mm. <laughs> but obviously a lot of people end up working with people that, you know, they yeah. didn't choose to be on a team with. However, yeah. you still find but meaning in those communities. that's part of life. I mean, it is. It is part of life.
1: Exactly. Part of life is learning to make the best of what you have. I mean, if you think about the person born in a small village. You can't change who lives in your village. You
0: can't mm. choose your family.
1: Yeah, you can't choose your family. I think it, it's so interesting when you think about it. And part, I think this relates a lot to this epidemic of loneliness that we kind of experience or hear about so many people now you know you, you move away from your family you go to a big city or whatever you know you're working hard you get a job maybe you live by yourself maybe you live with people you don't know who are your roommates and you kind of increasingly kind of think like anthropological humans the way we evolve that's not how we're supposed to be we right? we're much more tribal yeah if, 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 I, if, I mean if, if those you sort of yeah, a, if even, if, data if, even if you take just like a more old-fashioned culture you could look like, like italian cultures exactly i was, about I was just about to say like yeah. a, like a, like a <laughs> southern, southern italian sort of culture where like people live in places where like they are near their parents their parents are involved in raising the grandkids. Mm. Uh, people, you know, they'll have a network that's, that's with them for their whole life. And don't get me wrong, like, I personally, I'm like, on the one hand, that's great. On the other hand, the world is also amazing. Let's explore. There's something in the middle where, like, we're a little lost where you have all these people who will, you know, go from wherever to New York. And it's like, on the one hand, I've seen all these amazing things. And on the other, I, I have no one to enjoy it with or do mm. <laughs> You know, I'm lacking that deep connection. It's a sad state of affairs. Like, it's funny because you end up, you're, in a way, yearning for, like, the kind of the uni period or the school period. Where you had these obvious communities. University and, is amazing for that. That's the one thing I always think about is the
0: beauty of it was living and working alongside your friends in, in such close proximity. And you get that
1: community mm-hmm. feel in a way and that I, I just, yeah, you don't really and see and since, do you? I think that's part of the reason people end up, not necessarily uni, but people in general end up, for uni graduates, going into grad schemes and stuff. They're mm-hmm. searching for that sense of community maybe and, and guidance. Mm-hmm. And for some, it's also why people end up places like the military. Mm. Yeah, Big part of it. Big part of it. Yeah. So I think what we'll do next is we will explicitly
0: lay out the pros and cons, as we see it, of working remote, working from home versus working in a typical office. We'll weigh those up and discuss them the way we normally do. But
1: first, a quick ad break. Yeah, let us, you know, satisfy our capitalist overlords.
0: okay welcome back guys or if there was no ad we never left nah. pros and cons of working from home or remotely versus typically working in office let me reel them off you and then we'll discuss them in much more detail but the mm-hmm. list is as follows working from home the pros it allows for increased flexibility particularly families if you've got kids or you're caring for people reduced commuting time and therefore reduced expenses you save bills on on traveling in improved work-life balance this is one we will <laughs> we'll dig yeah. into we have opinions on that i know and access to a wider talent pool for employers. Or as employees, access to a wider range of jobs, which we've mentioned already. These are very clear benefits. The cons, however, mm-hmm. are as follows: isolation, lack of social interaction. Big theme we've already touched on. Mm. Difficulty with communication and collaboration within your team and with colleagues. And I think that's another thing we've seen firsthand is that it can exacerbate difficulties mm. there. You miss out on training and the other benefits of just like the osmosis kind of learning that happens when you're mm. in an environment
1: with water cooler people. chat, people love to say. Yeah,
0: exactly. A lack of structure and accountability. We mentioned already about, you know, when when people aren't directly monitoring you, you also maybe have a sense of you know it's harder to be as organized and potential for distractions i think to be fair i think this cuts both ways people often say the office is a distracting place but then working from home can be distracting especially when you've got family members pets mm. and other things interrupting mm. your work
1: or uh, i mean maybe the work from home thing is less potential for distractions. It's more potential for temptations yeah right when i'm in the office i have no temptations like oh, i'll just do the dishes <laughs> <laughs> it's true whereas
0: yeah it can be quite natural to break up your day with chores maybe it's worth saying there's a benefit of that which is just like the one thing with working from home I've noticed is that it's kind of easier to keep your life in order when you mm. do, do it oh yeah up and it's, a, it's, it's and...
1: a genuine benefit that's part of the reason we do one or two days a week uh mm-hmm. we offer people that it is just like hey you know save the commute time and you could yeah like let's be real you're going to use it to do your chores you do chores in between things right mm-hmm. it's a bit easier to do stuff
0: so there's the list and I think let's just kind of properly have the discussion the way that we normally do we can start point by point and we'll probably go off on tangents but increased flexibility we were literally just saying about that as we were kind of wrapping it up i think it's a clear one and i think something i was going to say is it's funny when you get these big changes that actually seem to stick because there are a lot of things about covid that i hope thankfully have Mm -hmm. have kind of gone away and that's like there are definitely some people i think that are still more sort of socially phobic than they were and and maybe more germ phobic but largely i think it's Mm -hmm. something that it's faded into the past for me whereas this working from home working remote thing Mm -hmm. has really taken root and Change the way that we work and change the way that mm. we approach work, and I think in some respects it's changed the whole paradigm of work that we have. Yeah. It's a huge social shift, and there's a possibility here that actually this could lead to a world with less work. But mm. I don't think we're there yet. But yeah. you're seeing much. It's created this opportunity for like people talking about the four day work week and
1: things yeah. like that. I think. Well, the other thing is remember what we said earlier. You know, people are like getting further from their families and stuff like that. Part of the reason is because people used to have to move to mega centers where their families wouldn't be for yeah, the work. For work. But then suddenly there's this flexibility where it's like, oh. Either 100% of the time or just more frequently, more companies are like, yeah, if you go away for a week or two, that's fine. Work from there. You know, you can go and spend time with your parents or Mm -hmm. or with your family in some way. You can go to those places where, like, the reason you would go less is because you had to go to the office every day. And Mm -hmm. so it does definitely increase that flexibility. It's also for a lot of people. You know, it's like, I would love to live in X place. For my career, I have to live in New York or Mm -hmm. London or whatever, right? And so it introduces that flexibility where like suddenly you can live in that place you want to live full time or temporarily without it necessarily meaning that like your career has to flounder.
0: Which is a really big thing. And we talked about meaning earlier and you're absolutely right. Like people do find meaning in, in a lot of areas of their life. Work is obviously uh, mm. not, the, not the only, not even necessarily the main one. Family is, I think for most people, probably the yep. biggest. So the fact that it creates this flexibility where you can spend more time with your family more easily, or even just sort of flex your work around family commitments. So picking up yep. kids, things like that, which are... I mean again, so personal bias these aren't concerns that we
1: have to worry <laughs> no. about
0: yet between us but um but it's it's certainly something I'm aware of it matters to people, so it's yep. a big one
1: so the reduced commuting time and expense I mean yes uh, the expense, spend, expense is plus expenses plus and minus because on the other hand one thing we've seen recently is yeah, heating you did, heating your own home like literally we work one of their ads was recently saying like we have heating <laughs> 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 and it's actually true you She's you, you, smart you can you can save a, a a ton of cash just by going to a heated co-working space or office rather than having to pay for that yourself likewise with AC yeah. like who no one in the uk has AC in their houses but most offices do expenses plus and minus
0: the planet then. Benefits. That's a big plus.
1: Mm, again, heating—it's actually much more efficient to heat more a shared space than it is for everyone to heat their homes. The it's... planet benefits in summer. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> well, AC. <laughs> uh, well, actually, AC is all numbers. Um, yeah, the planet—I mean, expenses, planet benefits—it's all plus and minus. It depends a little bit. It does. Reduce commuting time is, is a, a objective. Yes. Um, personal perspective though
0: I quite like the commute I, I like it as a sort of I, feature of like natural exercise in my day I like it as something yeah. to kind of
1: I think people underestimate if that you transition don't of like focus yeah.
0: and, and relax um, I think
1: people underestimate if you don't commute like just how little activity you're doing during the day
0: I don't know if people relate to this or not and maybe this is just a feature of the fact that I very rarely work from home but I find it really sort of like almost distorting when I finish working from home and then I'm just in my home yeah Do you, know? I don't, you, you I just don't close like your laptop and it has this sort of weirdly unceremonious like that's the end of the day whereas when you pack up and you leave the office and you cycle home it's I've like, actually
1: found I found for me that's that's really helpful particularly as someone running a company but maybe you're someone who who has the same problem like a really nice way to delineate like this is a work problem so it's for tomorrow is leaving the office Yeah. If you leave the office in your home and you get a ping on Slack or LinkedIn or whatever, often I'll check it. Still, but like Mm. you know, I do also. If I've had a long day, I feel the right to be like, nope, I'm home. It's time to rest. Unless someone like WhatsApps me like, hey, it's urgent.
0: (laughs) We we have a friend called Andy. I remember chatting to him about this because he he's he's a keen cyclist and he so therefore always used to cycle in. I think he still does. Likewise,
1: I am a cyclist. I like my commute because I cycle every day. And he
0: sort of talks about the um.
1: I'm not a cyclist. I just cycle to work.
0: He had a really nice expression. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was to the effect of like when you cycle you can kind of relax and your sort of your subconscious kind of processes a lot of stuff and it just becomes this weirdly like meditative time to
1: just oh yeah like, yeah,
0: yeah. kind of process your day I think it's um, funny i think a lot
1: of people kind of approach meditation with this kind of woo woo kind of like no mm. you have to be like in touch with your soul or whatever no the point of meditation is to be present and exercise is a great way to be present yeah right because i I find it probably the most meditative part of my routine to be honest you're you're focusing on how your body feels often because it's negative in the moment but still (laughs) you know it's like oh my legs are (laughs) it's difficult um but like you know you're cycling you have to focus on where you're going and stuff it's a really great way to kind of relax you
0: create space for your brain to just kind of do its thing and yeah yeah. and i find it's actually a nice time
1: to solve problems as well
0: because you're not necessarily deliberately consciously thinking about stuff but it it just happens Yeah, yeah maybe then maybe the fact that our commute is exercise based is separate from like If you're taking the train, if you're driving.
1: Yeah, if you're taking a horribly packed train, I can understand that. But then on the flip side, work from home is one solution to that. Another solution is sort your life around having a better commute. Again, certain amount of privilege there. Like I think a lot of people have those awful commutes for financial reasons, not because they're making bad choices.
0: Let's talk about work-life balance. Because Mm. one thing I remember we said years and years ago when we wrote our like cultural mission for running Stasher was that we were like, we don't like the phrase work-life balance because we think work should be a positive part of your life. And at least when you work with us, that's how we want it to come across. We yeah. don't want life no. to have to balance out. That's working. A, yeah, that sounds. Uh, that that sounds
1: campaign. like the kind of thing that you know someone would say in a sinister way. Like, so you have to work, but like, bear in mind, you know, we work from like ten till six. Um, yeah. we take like a lunch all together. We chill and chat. Like, we genuinely mean like we're not pushing people on that. Yeah, it's not. Um, a, it's
0: not a cover for sort of like a banking culture. It is just that like a well-designed place of work shouldn't feel yeah. like a sort of counterbalance to yeah. to life in yeah. a negative way uh, yeah
1: i think yeah there's this kind of it's a very kind of capitalist perspective where yeah like a lot of people are comfortable doing work they hate and it's like well yes but it earns me money and i can do stuff with my with my free time and it's like mm. well it's not work time and free time it's all time mm. right and if you feel like half of it sucks you're probably spending your time quite badly <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't know about you but no amount of quote-unquote life could make me in like happy with wasting or, or feeling like I'm wasting 60 hours a week. Here's a little, the little, the classic example. Um, would you ever take a job where you had to sit in a room and do nothing eight hours a day, but you were paid a million pounds a year? That's a nice thought experiment. Yeah. And I, how
0: how strict is the doing nothing?
1: Because <laughs> you, you're not allowed to amuse yourself. Oh Jesus. You, it has to be actively unpleasant. Wow. Okay. I mean, I'm and then just... if you if you if you start getting good at meditating or whatever, then yeah. we'll find you an annoying task <laughs> to do. Like we'll literally get you to just like write out the dictionary every day, and then we'll shred it at the end of the day. Oof. and if you don't hit a certain amount, we're well, like you haven't been working hard enough. God, that's so myth of Sisyphus, isn't it? It is. It is. Um,
0: that's an interesting thought experiment because I suppose it just depends where you draw the line. A million is a tempting amount of money,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> to, to write out the dictionary every day. Okay. Would you really consider and it? then get it shredded in front? Yeah, of in front of you, in <laughs> front of you. How much of a difference would it make if you could see it stacking up over time, or if we shredded the paper every day? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, it would make a big difference. It, it wouldn't yeah, matter either you, you way. You sort of
0: feel like you're making progress, and it's yeah. all for nothing. I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment. I'd love to. Yeah. Hear what well, the think sad
1: thing that. is, that's how a lot of people see their work. Another one. Another one. And this is so embedded that it's like a. I think I've said this before. It's a prompt on Hinge. Like, how do you deal with the Sunday scaries? Mm. And it's like my feeling is like, man, if you feel like nervous about work every Sunday, that is a really good nudge that you're doing something wrong with your life. Right, Mm. And so likewise, to use the office analogy, if you wake up like, oh, I have to go to the office tomorrow, maybe that's more of a nudge that you should make some changes in your life than going to the office is terrible.
0: Mm, Interesting.
1: Yeah, I'd no, I mean, sorry, maybe maybe that specific office is terrible, but like maybe you the changes you need to make are like find an office that doesn't make you feel that way, find a job either because of the nature of the job or um the day to day of that job or the people you're working with make you not like oh I have to go in,
0: I <laughs> have to see them again exactly. Yeah, it's it's fascinating that, and I think I think again I feel very privileged that it's something I don't generally get or it's, it's something I wasn't even really aware of as a concept until chatting <laughs> to friends because I think yeah we're very fortunate that you know. I, I tend to be quite
1: excited about work, and maybe maybe mm. that's more
0: unusual than uh, than I appreciate. That. Loser. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm doing it wrong. Everything
1: everything shades, right? Like I'm not saying everyone has to wake up overjoyed about work every day, or else like ah oh, make changes. And obviously, making mm. changes can be a difficult process too. Yeah, um, well even even our work has ups and downs, right? Exactly. Have the
0: pros and cons. Covid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> biggest down ever. But yeah, exactly. Like you, I'm not saying. Take it with a pinch of salt. People generally understand. But from the employer side, sorry, something that we didn't mention so much is if we're hiring remote, just aside from the fact that you're looking at cheaper geographies, you know, if we do plus or minus five hours either side of the UK, mm. you've suddenly increased your hiring pool from 60... Actually, we're talking about London. You, you've increased your hiring pool from... And this isn't even factoring by how many of your developers or whatever. A few million. A few, few million to, to few hundreds hundred of million. millions. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you just have a way, way larger number of people who are suddenly eligible for the job which makes it much more likely that you'll find someone. That's probably the plus
0: that stands out most to me about doing this. And it's the biggest reason I think we have deliberately embraced it is because it benefits. Yeah. uh,
1: Not to mention, like we said above, the purchasing power parity thing. It means that it can be a win on both sides. Actually, I'll tell you what, one that we should discuss, and it can maybe be even a separate episode, should there be cost of living pay adjustments? yeah it kind I've, of comes I've, to the tasks versus time thing we'll come back to
0: that. i've noticed it's something people market quite strongly but yep. yeah it's interesting just to quickly sum up the pros looking through them my feeling is really i totally see the benefits of flexibility i kind of get the commuting point Improved work life balance is a sort of bit meh for me talent pool is a big one but i think maybe it's a product of personal circumstance talent pool is the only one that really resonates and i feel like the flexibility could be beneficial in the future and mm. there's maybe some degree to which i i benefit from that without really appreciating it yet. but um wait i so sorry uh just because that's kind of the nature that the way that we always work is that you know sometimes you mm. work on weekends or evenings and that allows you to like sort of set your time to exercise in the morning and then come in a, you know there's there's flexibility in Where is that
1: the work-life balance or i'm talking about
0: flexibility i'm just saying right. working uh, remotely or from home even this morning for example i was working from home because it allowed me just to like organize my life a little bit and then come in and it's so not so that you're
1: saying you weren't working during working hours <laughs> <laughs>
0: but this is my point is that we do that anyway as founders because we'll work weekends and we you so sort of, you go you, go, you, you go. end up putting in more than the time just because you, you're passionate but summarizing those i resonate a lot with the talent pool one that's to be honest the main thing that keeps There's me such interested. an employer i am um, um, and i'm totally biased by that but yeah. i can see why I, other people I benefit i
1: personally more really like i've made my point on the commuting time one i get it and it's true but like like i said at the expenses one it's like pluses and minuses so it depends so much on your personal circumstances like we said if you are work from home and you could cycle you're probably spending more because of heating your home but yeah the commuting time again like you can get a little bit stuck but That can also be around like some decisions you're making and then the work-life balance one yeah i think it's like i think the note here says remote work can allow individuals to better balance their work and personal lives which can lead to reduced stress and improve overall well-being which Mm -hmm. is just another way of saying like you spend less time having to go to a job that really really stresses you out (laughs) yeah yeah. another
0: flexibility one that we haven't talked about but you and i have slightly different opinions on is the flexibility of like remote work it functions in two ways because there's remote work when you're based permanently abroad and then there's Mm -hmm. remote work where you basically work from holiday
1: yes this is a difficult one because we've seen this with our own like i think one of the main things is basically like do you settle mm. do you know what i mean i don't know it's very difficult the kind of the pleasure versus working remote temporarily right
0: yeah and it's one i'm quite cynical about without, <laughs> without wanting to sound too too harsh but it does feel like you kind of for me i feel like you get the worst of both worlds when you're working from holiday because you're not properly on holiday and you're not you're properly also, working you're Also, yeah you're also not necessarily properly working but i can see why there's a the temptation because it sort of means you can extend time away mm. even if that means you're sort of like paying more costs for being abroad but then i'm kind of like you've paid to be somewhere nice but then you're just sitting on your laptop all day hmm. that said you know if, if you go somewhere hot and you can you work the sort of unpleasant hours and then use the evenings to explore like i get it and ultimately hmm. it doesn't really matter where people are working is the point that all of this highlights it doesn't matter where people are working as long as they're able to do effective work well so I tasks
1: think, not time we'll come to that yeah
0: that my i think my cynicism comes in with the holiday part is that like if you don't invest in a proper setup i think there's far more that's it, that's Risk it. of not being able to work. That's actively, and that's.
1: So if you're not staying in one place long enough to really get to know your, what you're doing there and you're not renting a place that has like an appropriate, really just decent Wi-Fi table and chair in a quiet place. <laughs>
0: we, we put this in our remote policy. We said these are the sort of minimum conditions. It's just like take calls somewhere quiet, have good Wi-Fi, have a desk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which just... you'd be amazed. Like a lot of, you know, a lot of people, there's, there's nothing worse than when you want to really talk to someone properly. It's annoying enough you're in a video call rather than in person. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll dial in from like a loud cafe somewhere. Right. We're also, you know, we've all worked in a cafe before. A lot of them are set up properly for it nowadays. So not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them, you're not even, you know, on a table that's not got enough space to really have a laptop and, you know, there's music playing and stuff like that. We've all done it before. Mm. You kind of realize like, oh, you know, in a pinch, it's okay, but that's not a way to work sustainably. Yeah. Cons. Have we got the cons? So the cons were isolation. Oh, we, that's it. We stepped in isolation, and then we kind of got we, we yeah get sidetracked, right? Yeah. I think it's a big one. This uh, is the one it, that it's I keep one making, that concerns me. Yeah, this is the one I keep making the analogy with fast food. We have a too much of a culture, really, of as th- things get more and more comfortable, and we kind of miss that comfortable isn't always better. Suffering and struggle is growth, right? <laughs> Suffering <laughs> to, and struggle to to is growth. Sometimes paraphrase Nietzsche. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, well, no, nah, not I was going to say Victor Frankl, but it's not quite right. Sometimes a little bit of difficulty can be a, a you know a good thing. A little bit of boredom. Mm -hmm. a little bit of lack of comfort you know it's the same reason people for example delete their social media Mm and say what am i going to do to to fill my time and it's like well you'll be forced to find something (laughs) (laughs) something useful or interesting or you know whatever else like this is a vacuum that's taking up your time in the same way that like well it's not exactly the same point but the point is that like sometimes comfortable isn't better yeah, right. And sometimes really it takes us a long time to realize comfortable isn't better.
0: It's what you're optimizing to. I'm inclined to agree. I think conflict and, and, and struggle is is ultimately what makes you more resilient as a person and grow. And I think you can really optimize a life to comfort that is ultimately less challenging. It, again, it does come down to where what you value and where you value finding meaning in your life. Because there are people mm. who've engineered extremely comfortable lives where they work limited hours, are paid well, live somewhere nice and then yeah, I and, presume, and find meaning in, in, in other areas. And yeah,
1: maybe they're not isolated and lacking social interaction. Maybe they are... That comes from their friendships. Yeah, and they have friendships or they have a partner and they have kids and they have people who live nearby. It's really more the, the people who... Basically, there was a wave of people during the pandemic who were like, oh my God, I get to sit at home and do all my work. And it was like, really? Like getting to sit in your living room by yourself? How bad was your life before? that? That's a step up, like having to sit by yourself at home.
0: This is where, again, I'm wondering if it's personal for me as to why I find this a sort of strong concern. But if I'm to work from home same is true for you we're literally on our own in bedroom or or a living room and that's it
1: and Granted, some people have roommates or whatever. This is
0: it. People do maybe have like their family around or roommates or like there are work from home setups where actually you've got a bit of social interaction there. But for me, it would be zero social interaction. And therefore I'm like, I'm like, why why would I want to be here over being in the office where even if there's not that many people in the office, mm. at least there are other companies and other people I can hang out with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's and, it. It's just it, sometimes it's not even about interacting with them. It can be as simple as like bumping into someone when you're getting coffee. Someone
0: to go for lunch with. Exactly. That's it. Uh, that's it. As opposed to just like stopping work, making pasta yep. by myself, eating pasta by myself, returning yeah. to work.
1: Okay. Okay. Big one, next one. Difficulty with communication and collaboration. I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is that like most of us know this. I don't know if we like, I feel like everyone has felt this, right? Mm. And some people kind of bring a perspective where they want something to be so true that they kind of fight this corner. Like people who were like remote first before COVID, like, no, it makes no difference. It's like, look, it's fine. Like it's doable, but like, let's not pretend it's not better than all being in the same room right yeah it could be that it's not worth it because of the difficulty or the hiring or the costs of everyone being in london and stuff like that but like make those arguments don't pretend that like communicating via zoom or slack is better than talking in person Do you know what
0: this really reminds me of you know the comedian Ramesh ranganathan yeah he's famously a vegan and mm-hmm. he says exactly the same thing he's like you know being vegan is great it has all these benefits it's good for the planet this and that you can feel morally superior but let's not pretend the food is better exactly it's actually such a perfect example it's actually so true where like vegans are
1: like this tastes just like me. it's like look man it doesn't and that's okay you can say this tastes acceptable because <laughs> we know that's what the, it means right it's a perfect analogy because yeah. I think you're right humans are,
0: humans naturally communicate most effectively yeah. in person
1: that's it that's it you're just made for it but then humans also naturally like get very staunchly behind whatever belief they already have mm. and fight their corner and want what they want to be true to be true
0: so what matters is hitting like a, a threshold acceptable level of communication and this is something i was thinking about obsessively in mm. january and so when we when we kind of came up with our communication policy i mm. I distilled it down to like these are the three benefits that being in an office together i think summarizes what being in office together is good for what communicating in person is mm. good for and those are knowledge sharing idea generation and motivation and and to break mm. those down a little bit more knowledge sharing is basically when you're in a room with people it's so easy to keep up to date with things because you just hear people talking about it even passively you you're at lunch up, it's like oh well you up to at the moment oh i'm doing that project oh cool! yeah and you don't need to sort of make the effort to go on slack and be like hey so and so what are you working on and it's more natural it just happens more organically
1: exactly people don't realize how much you keep up to date like the, the people who don't work in the office so often someone will mention something and they're like oh before yeah, well we'll come back to And this, this is the challenge. Uh, before so many people would you know, you mentioned somebody like, What's that? And they wouldn't mm. even know this project has been worked on. It's like, oh, we just take for granted everyone in the office knows it's happening because we just talk about it or someone will just shout across the room.
0: What do you think about this? And that links quite nicely to the, nicely, neatly, to the second one, which is idea generation, which mm. is that again, when you're chatting to people at water cooler, lunch table, whatever, mm. ideas get sparked more easily. We find this all the time when you and I work together. It's just mm. like, you know, we'll kind of decide on things, but then when we're actually chatting together, like even on the way to this podcast, we were talking about a particular tech problem that we're mm. working on. And and like, I what about like, I doing this? What way? about doing it this way? And I was initially like hmm skeptical. But then as we were talking and walking, I was like, I see the point you're making, mm. I can come around to this view. And it's it's so much easier having that talk in person than over yeah. Slack, because over Slack it's a bit more easy to yeah. misread
1: tone or anything think, else. Well that's that's the fourth one you didn't mention, but we'll come back to another thing with the idea generation which is the opposite of idea generation, but idea killing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it's just it, decision making well, to some well, extent, isn't so, it? So yeah. well sometimes say you're in the same room with someone and we've had this for example with Yara who runs our operations sometimes, or sometimes the other way around with like tech people, right? Or sometimes we don't get it with tech people because they're not in the office as much, mm. but sometimes Meg will chime in for the tech people. Uh, hi, Aaron, Meg, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I guess. Sometimes people will be saying, you know, people will be like, oh, you know, we're thinking this, we're going to do this. Right. And then someone overhears it and says, oh, no, 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 wait, you're missing this perspective from your, or you're missing mm. this perspective from my team. Uh, and actually it means that that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Right. And unless it was kind of, unless it was being talked about out loud and someone overheard it, that team doesn't sometimes give that input until it's too late i actually remember a very specific example of this the review thing with luke right mm-hmm. and it was only talked about on slack and then luke implemented something luke's a developer implemented something and then it came out and it's like oh this isn't what we meant and mm. part of that is like oh you need to communicate clearly but part of that is that like if we were together in a room that miscommunication wouldn't have happened or someone else would have picked up on it and be like no 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 that's not solving the problem this is the way like an operations yeah. person or a marketing person would have heard be like no 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 you you're thinking about the problem the wrong way
0: 100 percent. 100 100 and then the final point that I had written in the policy was motivation because I think mm. in the same way we're talking about the sort of community benefit benefits community. of working together, there, there is that real sense of like, you know, let's give an example when someone closes a nice deal, they mm-hmm. make a sale, whatever, you can be like, hey, nice job. Or mm. like they can, there's there's that sort of sense of celebration and, and something yeah. we've done to artificially create that is we have a celebrations channel yeah. on our Slack. And we encourage particularly managers to put yeah. things in. So people um, can say, hey, someone's done a great yeah. piece of work and then everyone else can do a little yeah. fire emoji, to emoji,
1: all this stuff. It's artificial compared to that sense of like... Even then, yeah, you can't forget we're monkey brains, monkey bodies, like it is literally a hormonal response to being in the same room with people and someone saying, oh, good job. And other people going, yeah. Like, you get that dopamine here yeah. that's just like, it's, it doesn't compare with the It's dulled down
0: when someone, I love it when we post something and I'll, I'll be like, hey, so-and-so did a great piece of work and you can see everyone else get excited by it. And it's it's nice to be able to share that information with everyone efficiently. And actually to flip all this, one real benefit of Slack communication versus being in an office and just talking about stuff is that stuff is well documented. And that's I think, that's actually, that's, a real that's, that's the sort of benefit it, that I've been trying everyone to Everyone knows. Into.
1: Yeah, we'll come to like how we try to solve the problems. Oh, the fourth one that you didn't mention, Non, t- like non, more effective. non-written. Yeah, you need to be much, much more careful. Well, that's one, and then two. Everyone is more reasonable in person, mm. right? Like, people will write very angry messages and be very chill on a video call, and then even more chill in person, mm. right? It's a great mediator, and actually, as a general rule, I would say, like, on a scale of like emotional intensity to like in real life, the more emotionally intense or important something is, the the more in real life that discussion should be with someone. So, like, you know, as an example. To give a super trivial one, you should never fire someone over an email, mm. right? You probably shouldn't even fire them over a video call unless they're like really far away. Like it's a preferable not to give notice over
0: an email too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, take like a personal example, like it applies to your personal life too, by the way. If you're fighting with a partner, mm. do not fight over text. Ideally, don't even fight over the phone. Mm. Fight in person. <laughs> You'll be amazed how much it tones everything down. But it's true. It's true. And it's yeah. a, it's natural because like we respond, we we hate to upset other people. And it's much easier to not realize how hurtful you're being. And it's also much easier to like, not understand tone and stuff. I uh, always find it fascinating because
0: the, the one thing about texting arguments is just that everything has a permanent record. So mm-hmm. when you're texting and you're being really horrible, or you have the temptation to be horrible. It's it's there forever, but that doesn't seem to work as a deterrent. In people don't people expect. don't roll scroll back and check though. Do Maybe they? that's it. It's fascinating particularly like public forums online. People are really like vicious, but you'd think that deterrent would would sustain and it doesn't really whereas the deterrent of you say something upsetting someone's face
1: mm. and then they look upset. That does so yeah, much that, more that to that like does so much more. Like the pressure <laughs> your measure the prospect your of and... calling someone an idiot over a message versus saying it to their face. Yeah. I, I, like It's so much harder to do to someone's face. It's madness, isn't it? And that's like we thing. could all be trained to be worse people if we just... <laughs> um, so the third point we have here in the cons is training and benefits of learning. Is that is that a little bit overlapping with communication i it's easier to train people when you can communicate well yeah i suppose it is. it's it's specifically though it, it relates to the age-based um, mm. disparity that we're seeing where
0: older people tend to have a preference to work from home younger people i think naturally in general go, i go, think go. i think it's healthier when younger people have more of a motive to be in the office because go, at least go, go, you go, get go, the go. benefits of of yeah, learning from
1: more experienced people and i think i think that. that's a real and problem in I the, think a, today's
0: sudden shift
1: right yeah, yeah and i think a big part of it as well is that like a lot of people underestimate just the extent to which you learn by seeing other people doing yeah and so like i to give a trivial example overhearing someone taking a call and just understanding like the way they deal with objections or the tone they use or how they I don't know how long they even talk on the call, right? Mm. All of that is so much easier in person. And then any immediate questions you can ask immediately afterwards. I mean, I guess someone could record their call and send you their recorded calls. All of this stuff, you know, there are some substitutes, but they're not quite the same. In, mm. all, in all cases, but yeah. And it also takes much, much, much more effort rather than you just being there. Think about all the things you'd have to think about and categorize and record and put in a file and share with someone mm. versus you just seeing it and picking it up over time by seeing them. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, and I think a lot of people who work at big companies will realize there's a lot of stuff that's not codified. One of the things you might learn from a manager in real terms is like, how do you play office politics? Yeah, how do you behave around certain yeah. people? Or, yeah, exactly. We're like, you know, no one's going to message you on Slack like, by the way, this guy's a bit of a dick. The way you get them <laughs> to do what you want is this, right? Whereas that is the kind of Guys, thing Guys, you... don't tell Ant that that's- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you might, you might maybe explicitly in person where it's a bit safer, you wouldn't do it in writing. Or maybe implicitly pick that up in the office. I think that's a yeah. really,
0: really valid point. You just learn how to behave around people and you also learn more about their communication style.
1: So it's exactly. easier to do and it it's...
0: remote when you have done it in Exa- person. And
1: I mean, like, you can think, think about someone like PWC, WC, right? They're going to tell you how you get your promotion and then your manager or just watching your manager or watching other people is how you learn how you actually- get your promotion and, right? and
0: one thing that links from that um without putting too fine a point on the sort of drinking culture of, of different offices Mate, is that being at the pub with people afterwards and, it's, and building that sort of
1: rapport and friendship 100 yeah, this is a really interesting point again could be a whole separate episode a lot of people will be like that's unfair why are we prioritizing people just because you like them or whatever like wait let's flip this around like why does anyone run a business right and it's like mm. oh well i don't know to make money or whatever and it's like well why does anyone make money to be happy right mm. i mean one thing that we kind of consciously say sometimes is that we think about like the thing that we're trying to do is be happy Mm. and don't get me wrong making a ton of profit is is like nice way of doing it making a a lot of money is a part of doing that but like there are limits like i understand the trade-offs i'm making like hey if i thought working 150 hours or that's not a good example i don't know There, there are some things that you kind of realize like well you know that's not a trade-off I'm willing to make, Mm -hmm. even though I think it might maybe help us make a bit of money. Like in the mid to long term, it's a bad trade-off because I won't want to stick around because it would be just so horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not saying this as like a pro for drinking culture, but I am saying it as a pro for like working with people you want to work with. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes people are like, oh, that's unfair. As if like everything should be this kind of sterile, neutral, like uh, uh, transactional. Transactional. And it's like, actually, you know what? Maybe favoring someone because people enjoy working with them is actually a totally legitimate basis. It just makes
0: sense because it's about improving your own communication with that person and we've said before in the context of like partnerships and deals rather than Mm. in the context of employment that people do business with people they like. That's it. It's a natural thing, I think.
1: And this is again, it's like utilitarianism. It's it's really about the time horizon over which you're optimizing, right? Because I think part of this is that if you optimize over the the right time horizon, actually picking the person who is a quote unquote, you know, not necessarily better worker, but people get on with will probably lead to better results in the mid to long term because people will actually like better retention. People want to stick around, better Mm. communication. Uh, and General morale. It's the same way.
0: I mean, in sports, like sports locker rooms or the changing room in football, mm. you have characters who don't necessarily—they're not necessarily the best players on the pitch. That's it. But the most they, important player isn't necessarily the best player. Yeah, they stick in teams and they get retained because they just add that sort of cultural value. There's something we're conscious of as employers, and I, I want to make sure I phrase this correctly. But we definitely see value in the kind of people who they'll hang around after work because we're doing a social. Or Ooh, and I yeah,
1: I, I get what you mean. I don't want to—I don't want to phrase that incorrectly. I don't want to phrase it that way because, for example, there are lots of remote workers. Yeah. That we have who are like really positive cultural members of the team absolutely but i I get what you mean it's hard to it's knowing where to show face and invest
0: really exactly exactly seeing that willingness from team members is a powerful signal that they value being
1: part of the team and you want to work with them and And invest in that relationship it can be stuff like making the effort to make sure you go to team calls it can be it can be you know what again it's it's one of those things where i don't want to codify because the whole point is that this shouldn't be codified it's just Mm -hmm. human interaction it's having a quip on stat on the slack that like Mm -hmm. shows that you're actually like trying to relate with someone as a human and are interested in what they have they are showing and stuff right like mm. It's being the person who bothers, you know, being the first one to put a fire emoji in someone's celebration and saying, hey, that's really great. I remember you talking about this earlier. It's those positive,
0: like really humanizing interactions. It's a nice way of putting it is that it is about sort of humanity. Because I think something that we've always really appreciated about running our own company is that you don't have the sort of stuffy cultural norms of a big company where professionalism comes first and you have to be, you know, you have to wear suits and it's all very formal. Like we've always deliberately run things in a more casual way than that. And And part part of that's because the point is
1: to be happy. Exactly. And and
0: creating the space for those sort of human interactions. And and we've gone off a bit of a Tangent here, but I think it's an important one is that when people do get to spend social time together around work, you build these good relationships that ultimately yeah. allow you yeah, yeah. to work better.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's very true. It's so funny because there is that argument, like, oh, like, you know, pub culture, etc. I mean, like, there's no requirement to drink, for example. And it is annoying because I get like, oh, it's unfair, for example, um, working parents. But like, it's one of those ones where it's like, I don't know what you want us to say. Like, no one else is allowed to be friends so that you're all on an even footing. Mm. Like, because like we said at the beginning, like, ultimately, people who get on probably you're going to work better together. Uh, yeah. And that's actually a midterm gain. That's if you're going to turn it into a strict like revenue argument. The other thing is like, what's the, the whole point is to be happy.
0: It doesn't need to be necessarily drinking related. Uh, it exactly. Is, is a really turn up and don't drink. Or, or it. do it's, things that don't involve drinking. It's about turning up. It's showing that investment in the relationship both to ways. And it's something we have to be conscious of too. We have to make sure we create the opportunity to invest in. That's true. In that relationship I'm also, I'm also
1: conscious that some people like to keep personal work a little se- uh, separate. So like I, I get like, there are lots of people who like can still bring that attitude and not necessarily join for like, quote-unquote extracurriculars. It's not a requirement like, at all. But there's still people who bring that attitude to the way they deal with other people. I mean, for example, join for communal lunch. That You know, we all eat lunch together at lunch. Like, yeah. come...
0: And engage, talk. I understand people wanting to have that separation. I think maybe the bias that we have then is just that like in the kind of team that we want to run, I think particularly this is important in small companies. If you want that distance, you probably should be in a bigger company.
1: Yeah, probably. Actually, another point on this, you know, we should have made it early in the beginning. I think one thing that's really important is that with all of these things, there is no right answer and it's a marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. So people can do whatever they want Yeah, and the market will kind of sort it out. If you are too strict on coming to the office... And no one wants to come into the office. Either you will have to pay an exorbitant extra to hire people, Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you choose whether you want to pay that, or you'll have to change your policy. And the Mm -hmm. pricing mechanism, i.e., market rate salaries is what does that naturally and lots of people should do differently so for example i'm saying a lot of people complaining oh elon musk as if like he's objectively wrong it's like hey look if elon wants to run twitter like requiring that people come to work there's some number of people who love that and as long as that number of people is enough for him to fill his hiring slots what's it matter like if you don't like it don't apply to twitter it's 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 exactly his prerogative it's the same way that when you're sort of
0: setting up dating profiles it's actually better to be more authentic than sort of potentially
1: narrow your pool
0: but Mm. there was a there
1: was a there was an executive who green-lighted the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And like, he, there was something before where they used to look at the ratings of shows on pilots or whatever and be like, oh, is it at least 70%? Yeah, sure, put it live. And he was like, no, no, no. I don't want to see that. The top 10% of people who liked it, what was their average rating? Right? Mm. And he was like, it's much more important that some people love it yeah. then everyone kind of likes it. It's the same with jobs, right? Like there is all options are totally fine from all the way remote to all like everyday in office. And I expect you to work a hundred hours. Just be clear, communicate it and you'll find the people for whom that works. And if, it, if that doesn't work, then you'll have to change a little bit to the market.
0: We're adapting to that now, I think, because that's like the fact that there's still sort of judgment and discussion and backlash about the way that people are doing this. And Elon Musk is a great example. It shows that the market is kind of adapting to the fact that these discrepancies exist. But I think you're absolutely right. I think we'll get to a stage where companies basically just advertise honestly the way that they want to work and people make decisions based on that and i don't think yep. there's, there's and really... then
1: depending on what makes sense for people the relative salaries like my high level take on the whole like should you pay cost of living adjustments my high level take is pay what the job is worth and if someone wants to live somewhere expensive but really wants that job They'll they can they can decide to make that trade-off and if not like well effectively that company might basically only be hiring remote somewhere cheap and that's the decision they made by setting that price Mm, nice because otherwise it would be a bit like saying oh this is the salary range for this job unless you're really good
0: (laughs) it's
1: it's like well no this is this is what we're offering and if we if we don't find the right candidate then we'll change it but yeah sorry um so we talked through a lot of the rest lack of structure and accountability i think again this one kind of links to communication it it relates again to communication because you can make structure very explicit But then there's also implicit structure, like implicit, like, you know, how strict is your hierarchy? Like how much can you push back on things, et cetera? It's it's
0: definitely one that I feel like I've struggled to get right. It's something I'm kind of constantly trying to manage better because I think when you're in an office, there is a natural, easy structure and the accountability comes from literally being present in a room. So you can see when someone's working. To be fair, there's always the fact that like you can't, unless you're literally looking at people's screens, unless they're 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 really quick at changing tabs, you you can't tell how much time they're actually wasting.
1: Yeah to flip it around like maybe people don't work every hour but like i don't think if people can work effectively every hour anyway people get coffees and whatever and they should like yeah you can't work eight hours hard work effectively so maybe that's not a problem and maybe that's more a hangover presenteeism right so, yeah presenteeism
0: we... is definitely a problem I think I think where structure becomes important is just the opposite of like zero mm.
1: structure is
0: as bad as the case of like total presenteeism and I think finding that balance is probably a case by case thing
1: person yep. by person and it's yep. tricky I want to talk really quickly about one last thing one cultural value that we try to implement oh we never talked about one how we do open communication so another thing we do is we get everyone to post just a daily update what are they are up to just something really brief and we make really clear to people this is not to monitor how much work you're doing you can write a single line I personally myself do this all the time just put a couple things doesn't need to be literally stuff that's valuable for people exactly it's and the point is just that it's that equivalent of the person shouting across the room and you'd be like oh that's relevant to me i'll comment on that right or or oh i'm just aware that project is going on Mm -hmm. right it's not at all a measure of how much people are doing we didn't mention that policy one thing that we tried to implement but i want to talk about the difficulties is this concept of tasks not time Mm. so this is again like you can kind of say like look this is the output we want and i don't care how long it takes you to do it right the only problem with that is, with the exception of a few roles, and the most obvious one is sales, it's really, really hard sometimes to, one, associate certain tasks to tangible output for the company. The sales doesn't have that problem. You know, you basically are, it assumes it's easy to measure every task, which it isn't, mm-hmm. and it assumes it's easy to measure the output or value of every task, which mm-hmm. it isn't either, right? Mm-hmm. So then a tasks, not time framework, tons of sense for sale, sales. How does it work for your HR person? How much should you expect your HR person to complete in a day? It's really tricky, isn't it? This how is much almost... a marketing person, right? Like sometimes you kind of get people like, oh well, PPC, but like, how much is that happening just because you've set it all up already, right? Like, yeah. how, how do I estimate how much value you should be adding in or how much improvement I should see over X period? Yeah,
0: we could. I mean, we could almost spin this out into its whole thing because it is hard. Because on the one hand, it's way more efficient if you can structure contracts so that you pay for results. That's, That's a perfect
1: alignment. The problem is alignment. the problem is you can't measure yeah, perfectly
0: probably part of the reason even though it's ultimately just a hangover from like factory lines the reason that we have sort of time-based contracting is just mm. because at least you can control the amount of effort people put in which yep. you can't now in this in this sort of work remote environment in the same way yes so like monitoring people's green dots and even there's plugins for yeah which do.
1: and also like no one wants to work in that environment anyway so it'd be a net loss for yourself in the midterm anyway i i find it it's, fascinating i think I did... it's i think it's no coincidence that sales as a function was much more used to being remote and contract mm-hmm. before covid than most other the functions and it's yeah. for this exact reason it's so easy to measure the output of sales and the thing is ultimately like it's money in money out right like no employer in their right mind chooses the salesperson who works 80 hours a week to return half the value to the salesperson who works two minutes a day but you know returns yeah. three times the value right like no, no one, no one in their right mind picks the first person because they're working more hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's because it's measurable. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you're talking about marketing, it's so much harder to measure. It's like, how do I know they're doing the right stuff in the two, two minutes? Mm-hmm. And so time becomes a corollary.
0: Exactly. And it's tricky because I think one of my personal sort of values and beliefs is just like you get out of things what you put in and therefore it's really valuable to kind of structure it so that people are putting an effort. However, exactly like you're saying, we've totally changed the the way of working and, and all the structures and things that you inherit from the past were geared around office-based work. So a lot of the practices that work well in offices, you now have to adapt to a remote environment. I think I think honestly, we're just in a position where we're still trying to figure out what exactly looks good for that because as much as you'd love it to be a case of like hey i'm just paying for this output if it takes you five minutes and then you've got the rest of the day off great you gave me the output i was paying for it, it, that works as an ideal but then in practice it's like well you want to peg it to effort because you also want people to be committed in a way that you know they're getting stuff out of it because they're putting stuff into it it's mm-hmm. it's hard man it's, it's really really hard yeah anyway <laughs> Anywho, yeah good uh good,
1: good session. discussion um we don't have time to do the follow up session so we'll film that we're going to do the next one on strikes in france Thank you for listening, guys. And as always, send us your
0: thoughts. Tell us if you disagree or agree with stuff or, or if anything changed your perspective in a way that you hadn't thought of it or if you think we're totally wrong.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, well, the thing is, ultimately, if you think we're totally wrong, it doesn't matter because it's a marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, to some people, we probably are totally wrong. To some people, we might be spot on. It... it you know, as long as we can hire enough people to do what we need, it it's okay.
0: Yeah, uh, but as always, yeah, please leave us a review, particularly if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. That's where we could really do with a little bit more love. But no, thank you as always for listening. And yeah, do share this with friends. If you have this discussion, let us know your outcomes. Speak soon, We'll guys. be back Goodbye. soon with more episodes on definitely AI and possibly strikes in France and the pension time bomb and anything else that you care to suggest, let us know because we'll start recording more hot takes. Adios. Ah.